My husband George and I spent six years trying to get pregnant. We tried eight rounds of IVF. We tried everything everyone suggested. And after six years, I was diagnosed with unexplained infertility. So we were just done. And I had come to see the world as divided into us and them. Them are the people on Facebook posting baby bump photos and fuzzy sonogram images. Them are all of my cousins who get their kids together every summer for a big reunion that I'm not a part of. I clung to this idea with a sort of defiance. Like, oh, I can't have a baby? Fuck you. I have crazy pink hair and weird clothes. Obviously, I'm not supposed to be a mother. I'll have some other kind of alternative fabulous life. <laughs> and then, and then, at Thanksgiving 2017, a cousin of mine pulled me aside and she said, if you and George want to do surrogacy, I want to pay for it. And suddenly, George and I were on our way to becoming them. Welcome to IVFU, a podcast about the pain, joy, angst, and love of trying to make a family the new-fashioned way. I'm your host, Sam Shaver, and that was me you just heard performing a story about the moment we decided to try surrogacy. Today is part one of our very special two-part season finale, and I'm so glad you're here for this one. You're going to meet my surrogate, Kaylee, who's eight and a half months pregnant with my son. So she's a little tired, understandably, but she's still willing to talk and tell us everything about what it's like to carry someone else's child. Surrogacy is not like a Lifetime movie. Surrogates are not crazy people that are baby snatchers. <laughs> right. <laughs> Surrogates are great people. I've yet to meet a baby snatcher that's a surrogate. but uh... <laughs> Right. Um, so Kaylee, I'm so happy that you are here talking with me as part of this podcast. And of what's course. so exciting about speaking to you is that you are a surrogate. Yes. In fact, you are our surrogate. You are carrying yes. our baby right now, which is, I does know. it feel weird if I say that? How does it feel when I say that? No, it doesn't feel weird at all. It's kind of like my friend is having a baby and I'm just holding it. Right. Right. It's like you become friends with these people over time that you didn't know before. And now you do. And it's like when you go to visit your friend at the hospital after she had her baby, except you're the one that had him. So, but yeah, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's, 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 a diffi it's difficult to describe, but it's not weird for me anyways. Yeah. I think because yeah. I'm yeah. in the middle of it. Because <laughs> you're in the middle. Right. So how pregnant are you right now? Let's talk about that for a sec. Oh. <sighs> Very, you're very, very pregnant. pregnant. I know you're very. <laughs> I'm 37 weeks. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> that is very pregnant. <laughs> um, yes. Yes. You're so far along that this conversation almost never happened because at 7 a.m. on Sunday, <laughs> you went off to the hospital because we weren't sure if you were in labor. And we I are. Know. I know. And George and I are, you're in Nevada and we are in Los mm -hmm. Angeles, which is 
door to door, it's probably five hours from here to your hospital. Right. It's very annoying. Like the actual flight is only like an hour, but oh, yeah. everything else in between, you can't just get here. <laughs> I can't just beam myself over there. Right. So all of a sudden there was this mad rushing, which actually really in the end, it was great. It was like a dress rehearsal because we realized <laughs> that, you know, we feel like we're super organized. We've been getting our stuff. We've got piles of onesies everywhere. We've got the crib. We've got the car seat. We've got our plane tickets. We've got our hotel reservations. But we suddenly realized when the moment came on Sunday, we didn't, we weren't packed. Like we really had no idea what we had and it's all piled up in our dining room. So it was right. actually <laughs> kind of good as like a dry run because we went, while you were on your way to the hospital to be checked out, we were running around the house like counting onesies, looking for diapers, <laughs> packing bags. And also because this is surrogacy, we have all this legal paperwork that we have to bring with us. Right. Which says that and we I are have the some on my end too. <laughs> That's true. You have some on your end and we and we have to bring our passports. Do you have to bring your passport or is that us that we have to bring our passports? I, I'm not sure what that's I about. don't know that. Yeah, that's very strange. Maybe I think of a passport as like the ultimate form of identification. Right. Yeah, I the guess that makes stops sense. There. So maybe that's why. Because, of course, as we're learning, when we get to the hospital, we have to keep reminding everyone that we are the in intended parents. You know, we are the parents and you are the surrogate and that your husband is not the father. And apparently right. all of that will keep happening. And what I did last time, which I did this time as well, is I made like four or five little signs oh my that God. says, I am the surrogate, <laughs> and please direct all baby-related questions to the parents, and we're basically just going to tape them all over the room. It just makes it easier, I think. Um Absolutely. Because, you know, there's so many nurses and CNAs and doctors and anesthesiologists just coming in and out, in and out. They have no clue. They just know, here's a pregnant woman, here's a baby. And right. Let's get to work. Yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. And I will say it doesn't surprise me, Kaylee. So you came to L.A. for the transfer. So when we did the embryo transfer, you came here and Kaylee uh -huh. showed up in this fabulous T-shirt that she got off of Etsy <laughs> that said, may the embryos be ever in your favor. Hashtag transfer day. <laughs> Hunger Games. It's one of my favorite books. If I ever needed reassurance that this was a good match, which I didn't, but if I ever did, that was the moment. But I was like, yes, this is my person. Yes. And then I went right on Etsy and I found you a shirt, those keep calm, carry on shirts. And it says, keep calm. I'm the surrogate. Yes. And I actually was wearing that shirt when I had to go. In. I'm impressed that it still fits you. Um, it's. I have to wear an undershirt. I have a little belly shown at the bottom. No biggie. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, and then just to point out that on Sunday, it turned out it was a false alarm. You weren't quite dilated enough for us to jump on the plane. So so right. we took a deep breath. Yeah. Yeah. Like I have given birth to three children. And for some reason this time, I don't have a clue. I don't remember anything about what contractions feel like. <laughs> wow. I don't. I'm. I'm just like, is this it? I don't know. And I don't mind waiting until the end. It's just the waiting game is hard right now because one, I want to make sure you guys are here. I know. Um, I know. <laughs> I want there to be enough time that you guys can get out here. And two, I don't want to not realize I'm in labor. And then all of a sudden I'm like racing to the hospital and give birth on the side of the road. 
Right. So that's like a scary <laughs> thought for me. Right. And so you have, you've been a surrogate once before. Yes. And you have two of your own children, fabulous children yes. that you've given birth to. Yes. And then your husband has right. a child that you also have. So that's. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and he's 18 now. So we're dealing with that. <laughs> It's just crazy being 30 years old and having an 18-year-old stepson. Uh, <laughs> so to kind of do, I, I'd love to cover your background a little bit. Was When in, in the course of history did you become a surrogate for the first time? So I had my daughter, my oldest daughter when I was 21. And um, when she was three and she turned four was when I did the, sur- the first surrogacy. And what led you to that? What was your interest in being a surrogate? So we knew a family friend and she had been struggling with fertility for years and years and she got pregnant and we were all super excited and we threw like this huge party and then she miscarried and Mm. it just like really broke my heart and I was like I feel like I need to carry her baby for her. And I talked to my mom about it and she was like, oh, that's a little like crazy. I don't know. (laughs) And I'm like, well, I'm just going to look into it. So we talked to lawyers or whatever, and she ended up needing an egg donor and it wasn't like the right time for her. But then I still had like this idea in my head that I wanted to do it. So I went ahead and found an agency and kind of went from there. <laughs> it was all really fast. This It's so interesting because I think people assume with egg donors and with surrogates that it's all about the money. But I have actually yet to find anyone that it's literally all about the money. Like, I think the money comes into it. And I do think it's important. I mean, you're basically giving us a year of your life in a lot of ways. You know, you're making plenty of sacrifices and you're working really hard through this whole experience. Um, Your travel is limited. Your diet is limited. Your lifestyle is limited. Your ability to go to work has been limited. Like, it's a big commitment. Definitely. I also feel very grateful that we all get along because I know there are sometimes nightmare scenarios where a surrogate starts to feel used and abused or disregarded or mm-hmm. or I've heard of intended parents starting to feel taken advantage of or surrogates that feel absolutely old. And I could see how in some ways the money maybe can protect against a situation that gets really bad because the money's kind of there to keep it a professional right. relationship and the lawyers <laughs> of course there's lots of lawyers right <laughs> the lawyers always come out on top um but i also think <laughs> that it's something that that a lot of heart goes into i can't imagine anyone treating this like a purely financial transaction it's so emotional and it's it's so mental Mm-hmm. Definitely. For your first time, was money also part of it? Or was it really just purely, I want to help someone? No, my first time money was not a part of it at all. Actually, hmm. I just was like, I loved this couple and talking with the agency, like we had come up with a number. They were like, it's a little too much. It's a little steep. I they had to take a loan out in order to do this. So financially, both of us were kind of in the same boat. And I said, you know what, whatever, I want to do it for them. So I did. Wow. (laughs) That's amazing. Because I've been feeling all along, very grateful that we're able to afford this. And we've had family help. And that's how we're affording this, frankly. Um, 
but also angry because it's not an option for so many people because it is so expensive. Even if you are not charging much, there's the agency lawyer uh-huh. fees, the medication, the insurance, the hospital, you know, there still can be. Right. But it's so interesting that you weren't charging that much. Do you think that that means that there is hope for people trying to have a child who don't have a lot of money? I think there is hope. I think you just have to find the right surrogate, the the person that's doing it out of their heart rather than for the money. And that can be very hard to find that person. You know, I've had people come up to me, they'll be like, oh, do you know what you're having? What are you naming it or whatever? And I'm like, oh, I'm a surrogate. And they're like, interesting. Can I talk to you about how much you make? Wow. So they ask right away. Oh, they they don't even like bat an eye. Like. <laughs> you know, it's the same thing on my side. I shouldn't sound surprised because the first thing when I say surrogate, they're like, can I ask you how much does that cost? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I understand that people ask that question, but it's a little private, but I totally get it, you know, and I usually just say a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I had this lady, I was at my daughter's birthday party. And, you know, I went through my whole spiel. Sometimes it's easier to just say, hey, thanks, when you say congrats, you know, but at the same time, I don't want my girls to hear me Mm -hmm. say congrats or anything like that, especially my little one, because she's kind of confused right now. Mm. So anytime someone asks me anything about the pregnancy, I make sure if she's around that I say I'm a surrogate. So we're at her birthday party and this random lady sits down and she goes, so you're a surrogate? And I'm like, yeah. And she said, well, I was looking at possibly having my granddaughter do something like that so she could make some money. And I'm like, well, I'm done talking to you then. I'm like, quit trying to pimp your granddaughter out. for." (laughs) I mean, this is like not the kind of job that you take to just make money and, and walk away. No, I think it definitely takes a special person to be able to be a surrogate. I think a lot of people say, well, you know, I'm really good at having babies, but it's not just that. There's a lot of emotion and psychological issues that go into being a surrogate. I mean, when your body is pregnant, your brain is pregnant. And, you know, I hit those like the nesting instinct the other day. And typically that is, well, I'm going to pack my bag. I got to make sure the baby stuff is ready. Got to disinfect the house because baby's coming and we don't want germs. And that's like an instinct that moms get because they're pregnant because baby's coming. And for me, it's like, I don't have any reason to nest, but my instinct is telling me you need to nest. You need to clean. My kids hate me (laughs) today because I made them move all the couches. And (laughs) was that nesting? I like we're just cleaning. Were you just being a mom at that point? No, no, I'm usually not that crazy, but I was like yelling at everybody and (laughs) they're all like, can I, can I eat breakfast? It was like 830 in the morning. I'm like, no, you can have breakfast when I'm done. You're like, I know you're nine, (laughs) but pick up this couch. I have to vacuum. Yeah. So it's like, it's this instinct. Yeah. I also want to mention you also have a job. You have a career. You're not just someone sitting in a house being pregnant all the time. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with people being home, being pregnant, but, you know, you are a working person. (laughs) You're not like gaming the system here. Like you have a real, very demanding job with Child Protective Services, and yet you still felt Mm -hmm. moved and driven to be a surrogate on top of that. Absolutely. Yeah. 
I'm also in school too. I'm, right. I'm going to be a nurse and I actually want to work in labor and delivery, like pregnancy and all, all of this fertility. Like it's all really important to me. And a lot of people don't understand why, because I don't struggle with fertility, Yeah. but it's just something that's near and dear to my heart. And it always has been. So yeah, eventually I will be a nurse. Finally, it's taking forever because I have to keep quitting school in order to take care of my family. But um, I have a graduation date if I keep going of 2022. So I'll have a bachelor's. Awesome. Yeah, it's going to be hard, but it'll be worth it. And that's another question is, it's not just the surrogate. It's the surrogate's entire family that's part of this, mm-hmm. right? Yes, definitely. Your daughters are, they're nine and what? Nine and four. Nine and four. So the younger one, the the older one understands what's happening and the younger one is a little confused or how are they processing this? Yes. So my nine-year-old, she was four when um, I had my first surrogate baby. And, you know, I bought her this book called The Kangaroo Pouch and I would read it to her and try to explain everything to her. And she was very, very wise. Mm -hmm. She totally took it all in and... I bought her this like baby doll that I put in the suitcase. She had no idea that I had it. So then after I had the baby, I gave her this gift. And so she had a baby to hold at the hospital. But my four-year-old, she is not as mature, I think, Mm. as my oldest daughter was at four. And so just the other day, she said, well, when's the baby coming? And I said, well, pretty soon. And she said, so when, what do we do when we bring him home? And I said, well, remember, we talked about this like a hundred times. He's not going to come home with us. He's going to go home with his mommy and daddy. I'm just holding him in my belly. And she said, but I want him. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> Are you going to buy her a doll as well? So she feels like she got a baby. I'm not sure what I want to do this time. I am hoping that her getting to see him afterward and hold him and see you guys. Um, and she'll make that connection. Yeah. Because she's never met either of you. All she knows is my mommy is pregnant with a baby in her belly. And she knows other kids when their mommies are pregnant, then they have a new brother or sister. Right. True. You don't want her to feel like deprived. Right. So I'm like, I'm hoping when she meets you guys, she could put that connection together and seeing him, she'll get some closure. <laughs> but that is really interesting because the, you know, you're, you're not the only one making sacrifices. Your kids are also making sacrifices, whether they want to or not. And you can't pick them up as much as you normally do. And, you know, you, I'm sure you're more tired than you normally would be and all of those things. So Right, right. Without them agreeing to it, they are making sacrifices. So it's important to try to figure out how to make it worth their while (laughs) as well. And of course, the other person in this equation is Ben, your husband. So yeah, he's been he's been great. So was he the first time you wanted to do this? Where how did you bring this up? Or what was his feeling the first time you said it? Or how, how does he experience this? So very weird. When we first started dating, I was looking into being a surrogate again, and I'd brought it up to him. And he was like, No, that's weird. I just met you. We just started dating. I don't like this. And so I ended up not following through with it. And almost immediately after that, I got pregnant with Harper. Um, and so, you know, time went on or whatever, we never really talked about it again. And then very randomly, 
one morning, like I had a dream that I was a surrogate again and he was in the bathroom, like brushing his teeth. And I was like, I've been thinking about being a surrogate again. And he was like, that's so weird. I was just thinking about that. Oh my God. Um, and it was like, it was like, it was meant to be, I guess. That's really kind of interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was very strange. That's amazing. And he, was he prepared for, I mean, obviously from you being pregnant with Harper, he had been through a pregnancy with you. Do you think he was prepared? <laughs> he does remember when I was pregnant with Harper. <laughs> and I think that turned him off a little bit <laughs> to me being pregnant again, because I was like an emotional, crazy wreck with Harper. Yeah. So he saw crazy Kaylee really fast. I'm surprised we're still together at this point. Because <laughs> um, I wouldn't want to be with me the way that I was. But um... I haven't met crazy Kaylee because you've been always super cool when I've seen you. But um, I've, I also would say the same of Ben because when you guys came, he came with you for the transfer. And we actually had like this kind of hilarious time in the room because you hadn't drank enough water so like your body you need a certain amount of water in your bladder for an embryo transfer which I knew from my tries mm -hmm. for whatever reason it just it wasn't collecting and you and me and George and Ben were in that room for like an hour hanging out and other than the fact that you were in like a hospital gown everything was kind of very relaxed and laid back oh totally we almost forgot why we were there and then like that was the weirdest thing and then we they're doing the ultrasound and we're like all standing around watching my bladder make urine it was very weird <laughs> on the screen it was so crazy that's so funny so yeah so I have seen Ben as as a very sort of calming presence but I don't know if that's always what Ben is he's pretty calm and relaxed most of the time um my support system really comes from my family you know I have my mom as well and it's strange for her because this is the first time she won't be in the room with me having a baby. <laughs> she was there for the first birth. She was because I wasn't, I didn't have a husband or a boyfriend or anything at that time. And so my mom was my person and got to know my first intended parents. And she was like, she was like my husband. <laughs> and she's been in the room for my two girls' births as well. And so she's like, <sighs> I don't want to sit in the waiting room. <laughs> I was like, well, too bad. <laughs> so that's very different this time. But she is a huge support for me. So she will definitely be there in the waiting room. <laughs> well, if we can't get there on time, she might be standing in for the intended parents. <laughs> no, don't you put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> no, no, we're going to think positive. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Yes, it is. There's going to be plenty of time. <laughs> Do you have a father? I mean, any type of father? Then you're gonna wanna hear a new series called Tell Me About Your Father. It's all about father figures, daddy issues, and dismantling the paternal mystique. Tell Me About Your Father aims to unpack all facets of the father, the loving, the ambivalent, the supportive, the irresponsible, the wealthy, the living, the dead. <laughs> These are the fathers who built us up and, well, let us down. It's free therapy, but funnier and just as deep. Tell Me About Your Father Season 1 is available now on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. So I was wondering, in the course of a pregnancy, 
Like I know, at least even from our perspective, there are sort of milestones in a pregnancy. You know, you have your 20 week scan, you have your, you finish your first Mm -hmm. trimester. Does your relationship to the baby change over time as you hit these milestones? Like for the day we told you his name, like all those things, or does it just feel like all one continuous experience? No, you know, it's, I definitely pay attention to the milestones, but only because I want to let you guys know, because those are important milestones for you. And because I kept a baby book or I kept journals or whatever for my children. And so I'm like, I just want to make sure that you guys have those milestones. It is exciting for me, I guess, but um, more so because I'm excited for you, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, like it's a, it's a victory. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so it is. Because there's all these hurdles. Like first, let's see if the transfer results in a positive pregnancy test. And then let's see if the numbers are going well. And let's see if we make it out of the fertility center and into the regular OB and then the heartbeat and all of those things are sort of. Mm -hmm. And as a surrogate, also, I have to keep a distance emotionally. Um, So even though like he's there and he's attached to me 24 seven and I know how important it is, like babies can feel when you're rubbing your belly and stuff like that. And so I have to keep an emotional detachment, but also still be nurturing to him because they do like it's been proven. They do feel those things in the womb. They do feel detachment. And um, really, yeah, I sit and will rub my belly. And my girls will talk to him and stuff because he needs that. He needs to feel like the loving and the nurturing. There's, it's a very small barrier between him and the outside world. And so, yeah, yeah, it's hard (laughs) because I don't want, I want him to come out feeling love. And, but at the same time, I don't want to get attached to him. You have to protect yourself. Because my my brain is pregnant right now. (laughs) Right. And it's funny on our end because, and I think especially because we're not in Nevada, we're not with you. So we haven't, we literally have not seen you be pregnant. We saw you at the transfer. We've seen you online. We do FaceTime stuff for your appointments, but we haven't been in the room with you. It's not a part of our daily life. And so We're also building a relationship in this sort of mythical way. You know, it's sort of a concept at this point. Like like the other day, we have this dog, our dog Hattie, that we adore. And I know she's about to get demoted pretty severely, but she's 17 pounds and she's about the size of a, I don't know, maybe an eight month old, I'm guessing. And um, I was holding and she likes to be held like a baby. This dog is really going to have problems when this baby comes (laughs) along. But I was holding her the other day and I had this moment of like, this is going to be a baby, you know, this thing in my arms, it's going to be a baby. And, but because I'm not pregnant, it was very abstract. You know, the first time we heard the heartbeat was over the phone. And the first time we saw the ultrasound was over FaceTime. And, you know, so it's all been like very kind of distant. And I'm sure once we have the baby, it'll disappear instantaneously and it'll just be real forever. Oh, yeah. I just, it's so foreign to me because I've never done it and I I can't do it. So there's maybe part of that is me protecting myself as well. For sure. In fact, I remember when, when we first talked about doing surrogacy, one of my reservations was that I was worried I would be jealous of the surrogate because you can be pregnant and I can't. And I thought, what if this wonderful person is carrying my baby, but I have this weird resentment because 
they're that person that can get pregnant and I can't get pregnant. And of course, that's never happened. So thank God that's, that's not an issue at all. That's definitely a worry on a surrogate's end as well. Oh, really? Yeah. And, and what's funny is the first time I took a belly picture, I said, should I put my face in it or not? Because are they going to want to see my face later? Or is she going to be resentful toward the fact that her baby's in my belly? It, it was strange. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to send her the picture with my face in it. And if she wants to cut it out, she can. But <laughs> it was funny because I remember that first picture and it was almost like it wasn't resentment at all. And it wasn't any negative feeling, but it was like I didn't even know how to process it. Like it was almost like my brain went numb because I've spent so many years failing and trying and failing. And, you know, it's almost like PTSD, like the process is connected to so much pain for us and trauma. So then when you sent that picture, I was only worried that I'd be appropriately enthusiastic so that you felt good. It was going well. Because inside, I didn't feel that. I felt more like, okay, okay, this is happening. Okay, you know, like my brain is conditioned to like not be excited yet because I'm just not used to it. Right. So, but it, there was no resentment. It wasn't like that at all. No, and it's funny because Ben, even the first like, six months I think he'd be like do they seem excited and I'm like I'm not sure and he's like how are you not sure and I'm like I just I don't know I don't know if they're excited I think they're excited I know because first of all I couldn't even believe that it actually worked like that alone was the first time I'd had a phone call all my other phone calls were unfortunately and then it's you know it didn't take so this time they said hi Sam how's it going Unfortunately, we don't have her progesterone levels yet, but Kaylee is pregnant. Uh, and I was like, like <laughs> who does that? <laughs> That's a horrible way to start that. Like the word unfortunately was like a trigger, you know? Oh, that's awful. Yeah. <laughs> so how does it feel? And I guess this is referring to your first surrogacy, but what did it feel like after the birth? Did you have postpartum? Did you feel a sense of loss once the baby was gone? How is that? So it's very strange. Um, I remember waking up like I was doing fine every single day. My mom's like, how are you doing? And I'm like, great. I feel great. I'm going to go for a walk. And I got really into trying to lose all my baby weight and I got rest. But then one day I woke up and I went out to the living room and I just had these tears in my eyes. And my mom's like, what's going on? Did it finally happen? Do you miss him? And I was like, no, I don't miss him. I miss being like the center of someone's world. Oh, like, wow. you know, for almost a year, I was not not the center of attention, but um, I was important. Then baby came and then it was gone and he was home with his mom and dad. And it was kind of like, well, they weren't checking up on me as much as I thought they were going to. And but I think I just missed feeling like I was important to someone. Oh, yeah. Because it's like you're super important for 10 months and then boom, it's done. It's just absolutely done. There's there's no, it doesn't taper off. It's just, you're important, you're important, boom, baby's here, baby's important. <laughs> so that that was kind of what was hard for me, I think. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're not needed anymore. And the journey's over. And the journey ends very abruptly. Right. In fact, so abruptly, because apparently we may well leave the hospital before you do. 
So we may take Darwin with us and you might still be in recovery. So I'm told Elvis has left the building and, <laughs> and you're still there. Right. <laughs> yeah. Leaving the hospital was funny because I was released first. Oh, baby stays 24 hours. But I think I was 12 hours postpartum and I had a vaginal birth. And so I was like already walking around and my doctor's like, you can leave whenever. Just let me know. So I texted the mom and she said, wait, I'm coming. And she came in the room and she said, you can't leave because I feel like I need you here. So I don't want you to leave yet. And I was like, OK, oh. <laughs> so I stayed until till they released him because she just wanted me there, I guess. OK with that? Or were you like, no, I want to go home? No, I was OK with that, especially because it seemed like it was important to her. But she, you know, they were buckling him into his car seat and, and I was like, okay, I'm leaving. Like I just packed all my stuff and I like went over to him and I like, I gave him like a little high five and I was like, it was nice getting to know you for the past 10 months. And then my mom started bawling her eyes out. Wow. <laughs> I don't think it like hit me quite yet of what, what all happened, but it, surprisingly, my mom was the one that got a became an emotional wreck. Wow. So, and then how long was she emotional for? <laughs> Just the drive home. She was like, I want him to be with us. And I was like, but he's not ours. <laughs> yeah. So it kind of took a weird turn. And sometimes I, I worry a little bit about Ben because he's never been through something like this before. And he has definitely kept his distance. Like, I don't even think he's touched my belly oh. once. <laughs> You know, he's a great dad and he loves his kids more than anything in the world. And they worry that he has that or will have that attachment because I'm his wife. Right. Um, and because he's watching his wife give birth to a baby, that's not his. <laughs> right. Right. And so for the birth. Yes. We had a little pre-birth briefing. Yes. The way that it works is we are all there. All of us are there, right? Me and George and Ben are all in the room. Yes. And you're doing a natural childbirth, which I was asking my friends. I have two friends that both have kids. Um, it's very funny because we're all three of us are exactly the same age and their kids are like 18 and 20 now. And I'm about to have a newborn. Oh. They're like, yeah, we're not going <laughs> to see you very much. Like we were out drinking. They're like, this ain't going to happen <laughs> for very long. Um, but I said to them, I thought it was so interesting that you would do a natural childbirth instead of having an epidural. Because I would think if it's not your own child, why put yourself through all that pain? So why did you choose natural or does everybody just do natural now? I don't even know. So I'm not a hero, but I, I have a very high, high, high pain tolerance, which I think is why it's hard for me to tell if I'm in real labor or not. Wow. Um, because contractions that would put someone on their knees, I'm like, ooh, that was a big one, you know? <laughs> um <laughs> So after the birth, they immediately take the baby and they put him on my chest. So I will be right next to you, I guess, at that point. Yeah, they do. At this hospital, it's a baby friendly hospital. So it's not not all hospitals are like this one. But they do um, two hours, actually, of skin to skin contact. Um, so you'll be sitting there for two hours with him on your chest. And yeah, it's just going to be a bonding experience for you guys. And then I'll just sit there and probably order food. 
<laughs> Isn't that wild? I mean, it's really wild. It's really crazy. <laughs> so we do our skin on skin, and then we actually spend the night in the hospital, George and I, with the baby, probably be in our own room, but it's possible they won't have a room available and maybe we all have a slumber party there together. <laughs> right. I guess we'll see what happens. I think that the doctor, though, she seems pretty confident she'll be able to get you guys your own room. And I mean, as much as I don't mind um, having a slumber party, I think that bonding time is really important for you guys. And, you know, I'm just going to be laying there. So <laughs> not like I'm going to be a bunch of fun or anything. <laughs> right, exactly. Probably try to take a shower. <laughs> um, do you think you'll ever be a surrogate again? Or have we ruined you? You know, I think I'm done. I think I'm done having babies. Um, pregnancy was easy for me when I was in my 20s, 30s. I've come to know that it is not quite as easy. Um <laughs> I miss my having my body like I want my body back. I want to go out and and have a glass of wine with my husband and and I really just want to get fit again. Yeah. <laughs> I have like a tear in my muscle and he likes to put his little <gasps> foot right there and kick it. So um so that hurts and <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like a little groove for him he's like oh look my foot fits perfectly in right here let me just rest there for six oh, hours no. <laughs> no it's all good well I want to I would love to talk to you one more time after we've had the baby because I think that would be fascinating to just do a little follow-up interview if you would be willing at some point in the future totally um, yeah. And just to end this one, um, is there anything else you would like to add? Anything you would like to say for maybe for women thinking of becoming surrogates? Yeah, I think that becoming a surrogate is not just wake up one day and say you want to do it. It's a lot of emotional work, but we also need more surrogates. Um, it's so hard for me to watch people have to struggle when I love being a mom so much. And, you know, I believe strongly in people being a surrogate. If they also, like me, have a hard time watching friends and family and other people struggle with fertility. So yeah. um, I'm kind of a surrogate advocate, even though I'm pretty much done having right. babies. <laughs> we had a whole episode this time around because your insurance was taken away. Your surrogacy insurance was canceled by the state of Nevada when you were, what, seven and a half months pregnant. So talking mm -hmm. about advocacy, that's definitely something that we all together struggled with. We finally got it, got something sorted out, but not ideal, obviously. So yeah, I think there's definitely a need for a better understanding and acceptance and also legally and, and medically a better understanding and acceptance because it is so important. Totally. Right. Well, Kaylee, thank you so much for talking to me. This is very, very special. Of I course. really appreciate it. And um, we'll do our little, uh, we'll do part two in a few weeks when uh, the big event has happened. I know. Isn't it crazy? We have like less than two weeks left at the most. I, I'm at the point where I'm like, the next time I wear this shirt, I'll have a baby. The next time I wear these, you know, the next time <laughs> I see this friend, I'll have a baby. It's really very surreal. So um, 
Yeah. I, I think on Sunday when we had our little false alarm, I was like, what earrings do I want to wear to meet my baby? Like, I was like, I'm going to wear this. this, this <laughs> these are good earrings for the baby. It's just crazy. Like the things that you think about. And you know, what's, what's really funny is every single one of my pregnancies, I have said, I want to look good when I give birth. I want my hair done. I want my makeup done. And it seems like every freaking time I go into labor, I look like a hot mess that rolled out of bed. Isn't that the the rule for being in labor? No, well, Does anyone look fabulous I mean, when they're in labor? It is kind of. <laughs> I just I want to. I'm like this is my last pregnancy. This is the last time I'm gonna have this chance. So every day I've been getting up, getting in the shower, shaving my legs. It's hard, but I do it every day because I want to have shaved legs for labor and I do my hair and I put my freaking fake eyelashes on and I'm like okay today he can come because I look good and then of course my false alarm I just rolled out of bed and I had fallen asleep with wet hair so my hair looked like a lion's mane and I was like oh no you don't you are not coming (laughs) today because I look bad So I'm determined to look good when I give birth. I don't know why this is my sick fantasy, but I like it. It's a good plan. (laughs) Whatever. All right. Well, I will talk to you very soon. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Of course. Awesome. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining me for episode 11 of IVFU. Come back to us episode 12 for the season finale, where you'll jump forward in time after Darwin's been born and talk again with Kaylee as we compare notes on the birth and our whole crazy ride. At first, I didn't know where to look (laughs) because I didn't want to invade your space. You know, like we are on the other side of you when this is happening, which is the way it works in a surrogacy birth. Right. Well, and I invited you guys in there because I've done it so many times that I'm like, well, you know, at least half the population seen it. It's fine. (laughs) The IVFU podcast is produced by me, Sam Shaber and Emmeline Summerton. And we'd love to hear from you. Please join our conversation on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at IVFU Podcast. For episode transcripts and to download our theme song, Freak in Love by Sam Shaber and The Happy Problem, visit IVFUPodcast.com. IVFU is distributed by Inside Voices Media. Our mixer is Allison Wilson with additional sound design by J.C. Swatek. Our live story segment was recorded in L.A. at the Rant and Rave Storytelling Series, produced by RogueMachineTheater.net. If listening to these stories helped you and you think they might help someone else, we'd love it if you could help keep it going by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. You can also be a huge help in making Season 2 a reality by leaving us a tip of any size, whatever you can afford, on Venmo and PayPal.me at Podcast. Thank you, and thanks for listening. I'm happy we shared this time together. Because remember, it's all about being a family. And I-